we are ready. You are locked on fantasy basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball. Today we are doing another in the team preview series of podcasts today. We're looking at the Oklahoma City Thunder, a team that is dramatically different to where they were last year. To join me on the show once again to break down a completely different squad and a completely different feel for this season for the Thunder is of course the host of the Locked On Thunder podcast. Podcast. That is Eric G. Eric, welcome back to the show. Hey, dramatically uh, change is being kind. How about more blown up and descending into hell? Yeah, it is pretty. That, it's, a, that, that, it's a pretty weird situation for you as someone covering the Thunder. It's a very different vibe, a very different team. We're going to see uh, multiple, you know, probably the best three players on this team weren't, uh, well, maybe, maybe not, maybe the three of the best four players in this team weren't with the team last season. So lots to unpack for how this squad's going to look, lots to unpack for fantasy basketball in terms of how it's all going to look moving forward. So let's get to it. To it. All right, let's get to it. I start all these shows, Eric, by looking at uh, injured players and where we are with those guys. So the guy we have to start with, of course, here is Andre Robertson, who apparently at the beginning of last season, when we talked and did this show last year, oh, yeah, maybe he's going to be back around December, around Christmas. He never came back at all. Is he still with us? He is still with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, and the way you put it, um, he's still alive. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I I think I you know Andre Robertson's role on this team is seriously in question at this point because if you look at dramatically how the Thunder have changed here over the last few weeks, you've got Shea Gilgis Alexander who can start at the one, he can start at the two. You've got Terrence Ferguson, which you could put at the three. You're obviously going to play him a lot of two, and and it doesn't leave a lot, lot of room for Andre Robertson to get on the court, especially if you're looking for any sort of offensive help because of multiple positions. Uh, Robertson's role, one, it's very hard to see at least right now that he would start and play significant minutes. When he, he does play, he's that guy that will kind of come in and be a defense defensive closer and where you may see him be most effective is the last few minutes of the game when the Thunder need to shut teams down because the one thing they have lost with Paul George going to the Clippers and with Jeremy Grant headed towards Denver is they've lost a good amount of their defense so it's not to say that his role it's not to say that his role isn't important it's just hard to figure out necessarily who you're going to put on the bench in order order to get him in there for the one skill that he does have. Yeah, look, he's got an opportunity to play some of those small forward minutes. He played a lot of shooting guard the year before. I don't think he's going to be doing any of that for this coming season. Of course, you mentioned Gilgis Alexander. There's Terrence Ferguson. There's Hamadou Diallo. There's Schroeder, who can also play in that position. So Robertson's not really going to be too much of a fantasy factor, but I think that the number one thing we have to remember is he is back, and he is a part of that rotation. He's going to get some sort of minutes somewhere. How much there is there remains to be seen as he recovers from that knee injury, which has obviously been pretty devastating as he's been out of basketball for the last 18 months, but he's never really been much of a fantasy factor. It's just important for us to check in 
uh, on Andre Robertson and see exactly you know, where he is and uh, how, how we have to factor him in onto the team. But let's talk about a guy that we've mentioned already a couple of times, and that is Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who did come across as probably outside of the draft picks, the uh, the key piece in the Paul George trade from the Clippers. My understanding is that Gilgis-Alexander is the red-hot favorite to be the starter next to Chris Paul in the backcourt. And then if a Chris Paul trade does happen, he will slide over and assume the starting point guard role. He is the, considered the point guard of the future for this Thunder team. Am I off base with thinking that? No, not not at all. Um, and that seems to be where logic would tell you what the Thunder would do for a couple of reasons. One, Chris Paul can't get traded until December 15th. And it's in the Thunder's best interest to shed salary now. So what you're going to want to do if you're Sam Presti is maybe give Chris Paul as many minutes as you can, give him minutes at, at obviously his natural position and the only position he would play, and show teams that he still value, and maybe you finally get the package you want, which didn't happen over the last few, which, which didn't happen the last few weeks of the summer, where you could make that deal. Uh, the other way you could go if you're Oklahoma City, and, and this is something to really keep in mind, is that you could still go ahead and start Shea Gilgis Alexander and, and bring Chris Paul off the bench. Now, would upset Chris Paul. You're obviously not showing him off, but I think that would also say that you're going to at least be committed to keeping Chris Paul on the roster for a year while he grooms Shagilgis Alexander as the guy to take over and not only be the starting point guard, but the leader on this team, the voice in the clubhouse, and the face of the thunder. Um, Chris Paul's Paul's role, Shagilgis Alexander's role, I mean, there's, there's so many really fascinating questions to delve into, but you, you're you doing Locked on Fantasy. I would draft Shea Gilgis-Alexander, especially if you're looking for a score, because of what you said, logic sort of dictates he's playing that two role. He shoots the ball very well from threes, over 30% uh, three-point shooter, does very well from from the free throw line. Plus, he should get a lot of minutes at the two and the one. They probably ought to be about as equally split as you can get. And he ought to have a decent number of assists. But wait a second. I'm going to go back and check myself here saying that. If his primary role is the two, then you probably see Schroeder come off the bench as the one. So I would think fantasy-wise, drafting him as, as a shooting guard certainly going to give you some points. And I think he's going to get him in bunches because they're going to give him every opportunity to score this year. Yeah, that's the thing. He's going to have a lot of opportunities. Look, he is ranked really low on Yahoo, significantly lower on ESPN, 162nd on ESPN, which is ludicrous, 91st on Yahoo, which is, again, pretty silly. I think he's got a chance of cracking the top 50. And I think when we get to fantasy head-to-head playoffs in that March period of the season when you know, most likely Chris Paul isn't on this team, Gildas Alexander will bump those assists up. He could be a 20-point-per-game scorer with six assists per game in that period of the season, which puts him as a top 40 type of guy. To me, he is one of the steals of the initial rankings that have come out, and he's in for a huge role here. 30-plus minutes every night, shot 36% from three last season as a rookie. Not known as a shooter, but interestingly, over his final 25 games, shot 44% from three last season as well. So got better as the season went on. So he's interesting. The other guy we've yeah, talked about I'll here... Tell you what. Go ahead, Eric. Well, I was going to say, where, where I think his fantasy value might come in this year is if Chris Paul gets traded anywhere between December 15th and the trade deadline, 
and Danilo Gallinari also gets traded in, in that time period. I mean, the Thunder have some scores, but this guy will undoubtedly be your lead scorer on this team. And if both of those guys go away, then you're really putting the onus on him to make some things happen beyond the arc. So the attempt should go up. I would think the point should go up. And that's sh- speaking strictly on fantasy purposes. If you get him now and you talk about the in the playoffs, that's where a boon really comes from him because it's just there's a chance so much could be weighing on his shoulder that he could kind of carry this team for the last few weeks of the season. Let's talk about Chris Paul now, the guy that we assume to start. Now, we know that he's had his injury problems, his hamstring problems, but he is coming in really lowly ranked, 34th on ESPN, 29th on uh, on Yahoo. Now, there is going to be a problem with Chris Paul because we are all assuming he's not going to be on this team uh, at the end of the season. He could go to a situation that's worse for him. But this is a guy that we saw his assist numbers drop right down playing in Houston. He's not going to have that problem really here in Oklahoma City. He's going to see, I think, the usage bump back up. I think we're going to see his assist rate rise back up. And I think on a per-game basis, Chris Paul can really knock on the door of the top 10 now. That's per game because he could miss plenty of time. We know the injuries. He could actually see his minutes reduced down. But I've got him at a pretty modest uh, minute total in terms of his time in Oklahoma City. And I still think he comes out as a really a a fringe first-round, back-end, second-round guy. How much do you think they play him? Or as you said earlier, do you think they go and play him 33-34 early on and then maybe maybe ease that off later on and when he gets traded. Do you think he's in for big minutes in Oklahoma City um, to try and increase that trade value? Yeah, at the beginning of the year, definitely. And you talk about the you talk about the assist that this guy could, could rack up, um, especially at the beginning of the year. You're going to have guys like Danilo Gallinari um, that, that you're going to be able to pass to. You're going to have Steven um, Adams down low. You've got a Mike Muscala that, whether he comes off the bench or he started, is another guy. Um, that he can certainly take advantage of. Terrence Ferguson. So there's all these guys. You you don't have James Harden to deal with. You've got a lot of guys that can spot up shoot, some guys you can just kind of dish it off and kind of create their baskets for them. Um, I, I don't imagine we'll see him drive and kick near as much as Russ does, but I think we'll see those assist numbers go up. And, and we talk about a situation where he could get traded – Um, There was talk about possibly trading him for Andrew Wiggins. I don't know how much truth there is to that. But if you get Chris Paul with Oklahoma City and he's killing it on assist, if for some reason they were able to trade him to to a place like Minnesota, then it's sort of a seamless transition strictly as a fantasy player. But I would think early on, yeah, you're talking at least 30 minutes a game here that he's going to get it for no other reason. You just kind of want to put him out there and – show that he's still got it, so somebody will buy. I really don't have any problem with like these rankings at 29 and Yahoo 34 and ESPN. I think on a per-game basis in Oklahoma City, he's going to smash that. And then if he gets traded, I think his worst-case scenario is he actually goes down and plays at that level of a third-round guy. That's worst-case scenario. So to me, the injuries are a real concern. If you're playing in a league like a Roto League where you've got game limits and you can manage him, he is an unbelievable steal at that level. And another guy on this team, Eric, who I think is uh, is somewhat of a steal, it's all these new players that aren't really being properly accounted for in terms of their fantasy value by the sites, is the rooster, Danilo Gallinari. I say this, uh, I've said this in the, uh, during the week, I did some podcasts talking about ESPN and Yahoo ranks. Like, who's going to take the shots on this team? It's got to be Gallinari. They lost Paul George. They lost Russell Westbrook. 
Gallinari was a guy who, who last season came in as a 37th ranked player, played just 30 minutes a game for the Clippers with a usage of 25%. If those minutes, if that scoring, if that usage and his ranking doesn't go up, I'm going to be surprised. But still, he comes in ranked outside the top 50 on both Yahoo and ESPN. I just I don't understand it. He is going to be the main shooter slash scorer on this team. What's what's painful, absolutely painful about you saying that is the Thunder really could have used Danilo Gallinari the last two seasons. Yeah. And had they had a guy like him on the team, you're probably making it past the first round of the playoffs because they just completely lack three-point shooting outside of Paul George. So you're getting him at just at, at a very odd time still. I mean, what you said was pretty bang on. I would say that you'll see, you know, and I said at the beginning, SGA will get his fair amount of share share of scoring in. Um, I'm anxious to see if Terrence Ferguson can build off what he did last year from three, because as the season went on, he did a pretty good job of building it up. He's an over 30% um, three-point shooter. So while Gallinari is going to be your main outside guy, there are other other players on this team that can score. It's just a matter of when you're talking about games and going head-to-head, can they outscore guys enough? And honestly, I was talking about this today on Locked on Thunder. I'm not – saying that they're going to be as good as Golden State, but for the first time, they may actually, for the first time in years, they may actually be able to go toe-to-toe with GSW just from a scoring standpoint before I would think that Golden State could kind of run in the fourth quarter. I want to talk about Terrence Ferguson a, a bit now because he, he's a guy that has, he comes out there, he, he shoots the three, he plays that off-ball role, that really almost invisible role a lot of the time on the Thunder, had a, a usage of 10%, which is unfathomably low in both of his NBA seasons. He's going to have to up that somewhat this season, but he's a guy that from a fantasy point of view especially, just does nothing else. He doesn't rebound the ball, he never gets assists, he never gets steals, he doesn't block shots, he's a very low volume guy. He's going to have to up that volume this season, but is there anything that you've seen from Ferguson over the last two seasons? that indicates that maybe he can do something else. Maybe he can be in a more aggressive rebounder. Maybe he can facilitate a little bit. Or is that just uh, a lost cause sort of a situation for Ferguson where he's just more of this guy who's like a Tony Snell who goes out there, hits threes, and doesn't do anything else in the box score? Uh, That's about it. I think you nailed it. I mean, theoretically, if you're the Thunder, what Terrence Ferguson is, he's that 3 and D guy. You want to build him into that. So for fantasy players... He's that guy that you're taking. He's that guy that you're taking that when you're you're in those late rounds and you're just looking to spend a pick because you got it and you may need some extra scoring, he's kind of there. He's not a guy you're going to start very often, but that is going to be his role. And essentially what the Thunder were hoping to do last year was phase out Andre Robertson. They were, they were hoping that Terrence Ferguson could give you enough on the offensive end play well enough defensively, um, make up for that three-point shooting that Andre Robertson lacked. It could kind of go hand-in-hand with a a guy like Paul George, and it never quite materialized like that. But in a perfect world, that's what Sam Presti and Billy Donovan have vision for him is is exactly what you described. I think Tony Snell is a a great example of that, but that's what they want out of him. And – where you might see Terrence Ferguson's shooting pickup is again, it goes back to the Gallinari trade. If he's traded, that's another guy the Thunder may have to rely on for the rest of the year.
Ferguson's not a guy, I think, that's anywhere near standard league valuable, but he could come out and hit two threes a game. That's a distinct possibility for him this season, and that can be useful. We saw a guy like Landry Shamet provide similar value last season, do nothing else in any other component of the box score, but hit those threes and hit them relatively reliably. And I think Ferguson could be someone along those lines that could do something similar to that this season. Let's talk about the other big name on this team now, Eric, and that is Stephen Adams, who is the starting center uh, for this squad. A, a guy that comes in, he's pretty aggressively ranked on ESPN and number 40, I don't believe he'll ever be a guy that I'm looking to take that high. This is a guy that also unfathomably has seen his free throw percentage dip unbelievably. In fact, over the final 27 games of last season, he shot 36% from the free throw line. 50% 50% overall, and the numbers have gone down from, uh, he's never, he's had one season of being over 60%, and uh, the last three seasons, it's been a continual decline. That's a real concern in terms of his overall fantasy value, but one thing I think we have to assume is going to ha- happen, Eric, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, without Russell Westbrook around, he's going to rebound the ball more. Uh, yes, he is, um, but I'll put it this way. I mean, Stephen Adams wouldn't draft himself on his own fantasy team. Um, I think he's smarter than that. Um, he'll rebound the ball quite a bit. He'll get his putbacks. I think he'll get some decent offensive numbers with Chris Paul being able to fight so him and maybe work with him the, the way that he did Capella. But, yeah, I mean, you should see his numbers go up rebounding. Um, but, I mean, that's all the guy really gives you. He's going to give you some – He's going to give you some rebounding. He's going to give you some points. But but outside of that, he gives you nothing else. Um, he is certainly a, a, an old-school throwback center that's not going out beyond the arc. And I, I know some leagues I, – I know of some leagues that, that may give you some points on blocks and defense, but I don't know how many blocks this guy's going to get this year. And, and defensively, he's still – Defensively, he's still a liability on the Thunder, big-time liability, especially guys that can draw him out beyond the arcs. He cannot guard guys that shoot three, and because of the switches, he always gets caught trying to guard, guard guards that just he doesn't have the footwork to keep up with. He doesn't block shots at all. The last three seasons, he's averaged exactly yeah. one block per game, which just isn't enough. Now, his steals were really interesting last year, 1.5 steals per game. That's useful. I think he can get maybe pushed towards 16 and 11 this season, which you know, would be that increase in usage, having Chris Paul around, more rebounds from no Westbrook, but still the, the lack of assists, the lack of blocks, he's not hitting threes, and the poor free throw percentage means he's only really finding value on certain spots, and that 40 rank on ESPN is wrong. The 65 on Yahoo is probably a little bit high, but it's not completely terrible. Uh, to see him at the, at that level. Now, another thing to talk about here, Eric, is some people might look at this Thunder team and go, well, Westbrook's gone. They traded for Dennis Schroeder last season. Schroeder played a decent amount last year, um, yeah, played alongside Westbrook. Is he going to be in for a bigger role? And I think it's actually going to be a worse season for Schroeder with Gilgis Alexander and Paul both coming in. Schroeder's going to be limited to playing some of those backup minutes, mainly backup at point guard. But again, you want to try and stagger that and play Gilgis Alexander a bit there. He played 29 minutes a game last season, Schroeder for the Thunder. Um, I don't see any chance of him replicating that outside of a catastrophic injury to either Paul or Gilgis Alexander. No, he's he, plain and simple. He's trade bait. Um, that, that, that's all. That's all Dennis Schroeder is at this point. Now you can end up last year threw together late, um, simply because they were looking for any sort of spark that they could get. Where you had, had you were playing three point guards at one time with Raymond Felton, Schroeder, and, and Russell Westbrook. It's not beyond the Thunder to possibly do that again this year, especially if for some odd reason 
Chris Paul were to stay around and say you were to trade Danilo Gallinari because he brought value, and you're just looking for something to go small and give yourself a spark, Schroeder proved that he can, he can play that role. But it's hard. This is such a weird team. I, and I cannot think in all, all my years of covering the Thunder a more strange head-scratching roster than what they have right now because you just have enough guys where you don't quite know where they fit. Uh, the Justin Patton signing that happened a couple of days ago, right? It's like, well, you don't really need another center because you've got Nerlens Noel. You re-signed him. You still have Steven Adams, whose contract is, is too high based on what he actually is. Um, you've got an overload of point guard. Still, pro you still don't have enough twos and you don't have enough threes. So, and there's no real just, fours on this team either. Uh, oh, you, you got Gallinari's gonna no, play. No, I mean, who's I the backup four? You, Muscala, Mike Muscala. Yeah, and he's trash and, as well. Yeah, I mean, so you're just kind of, I mean, you're gonna Billy Donovan's gonna have to throw out a lot of weird lineups this year that I don't know outside of really right now. The three guys you talked about at the at the beginning. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Chris Paul, and Danilo Gallinari. I don't know that anybody on this roster really brings you any fantasy value and is nuts, as crazy as this may sound. I'm not sure that Nerlens Noel doesn't bring you better fantasy value than a guy like Steven Adams if he can get minutes because the one thing that Noel is that Adams isn't is a rim protector. Yeah, look, so if, if Adams and Noel really play the same amount of minutes, Nerland's Noel is going to kill him in fantasy value. Everyone's well aware of what Noel does. The problem is he's getting on the court, and he's just not going to get enough minutes to do that. I think the Thunder have got four top 100 guys in Paul Gallinari, Gilgis Alexander, and Adams. If Noel was to play yeah, 25, 26 minutes, he would be in that mix as well. But getting to that level is probably going to be tough for him to get, to get there unless, of course, there is a Stephen Adams injury, which just really actually never happens. Now, Eric, I've got a question for you. I think we know who the starting five is going to be. Chris Paul, Gilgis Alexander, actually maybe the three, it could be Robertson, it could be Ferguson, one of those two guys there, uh, get Gallinari at the four, Adams at the five. Yeah, who is in a 10-man rotation? Who's playing these other roles? We've got Schroeder, um, we've got Noel, um, we've got you know either Robinson, Robertson or Ferguson, Muscala at the four, and there's one spot left there, sort of a backup 2-3 type position. Is it going to be Abdul Nadir? Is it going to be Hamadou Diallo? Is Deontay Burton going to play? Is Darius Basley going to be in the mix? Like, Who's going to get that last rotation spot, do you think? I think... Well, I, they want... They would Ideally, they'd like to see Hamadou Diallo get it. Um, they really liked him at the beginning of last year, and then he sort of faded away... I, he faded away after the dunk contest. I think ideally that's the guy they would like to get, develop him, bring him along and have him be a part of whatever the thunder are going to be here over the next two or three years. But that's when I go back to a guy like Dennis Schroeder. And if he can shoot and it and he's just inconsistent, he may be a guy that you just kind of have to plug in there. I mean, there's not, unfortunately right now, there is no concrete answer. And what you may end up seeing with Oklahoma City is that guy that we're talking about, that guy that we're looking for, is somebody that they get in a deal for either Chris Paul or Danilo Gallinari, which then again creates a whole other set of issues if it's Gallinari. 
Um, yeah, I, I think Diallo's right. I think he's going to be that guy initially. So for people in deeper leagues, Diallo's worth looking at. But he's also one of the worst fantasy players in terms of a per-minute basis with poor shooting. He shot like you know, 16% from three last season, doesn't hit free throws, uh, doesn't get assists, steals, or blocks. Pretty strong rebounder, though, so that'll be interesting, especially if he plays up at the three. But he is a name to watch if he is into that rotation spot. And then you've got someone like Darius Basley, first-round pick this season. Eric, are we going to see any of Basley with the Thunder? We're going to see some of him, but we're going to see him in a regular role. Or is it going to be more G League as he didn't play really at all last season and he tries to, uh, they try to develop him as another long wing with maybe some questionable shooting? Well, this, this is strictly opinion because there probably isn't a person in the Oklahoma City media who could tell you what this guy's going to do. But if you're interested in Darius Baisley and what he is going to bring to Oklahoma City, you're going to be better off going across the street and watching him at the Cox Center versus at the Chesapeake Energy Arena. Um, if you're playing him at all, it screams of desperation at that point. And it's hard for me to imagine that a guy who took a year off basketball and went to be an intern at New Balance, which was a great thing uh, that Rich Paul did for him, I mean, as far as the money goes and got him drafted, but he, he hadn't played real basketball in over a year. So this is a guy that, A, needs to get in shape, needs to go find out what the physicality of the NBA is like, and he's going to find that out in training camp, and then he's going to find that out in the G League. I would say very sparingly is what you see Darius Baisley this year. I'd be surprised. I would be surprised if he gets into double-digit games this season. He shot 43% in summer league. Of course, that's small sample size and blocked 1.3 shots. And they're the things that he needs to be able to do with it. Long wingspan, 6'9", 3'4", type of a guy. If he can shoot the three and block shots, there is some uh, upside long-term, but I don't think we're going to see too much of it this season. He's going to be battling around with Abdul Nadir, with Deontay Burton, with Justin Patton at the back end of that rotation. Um, Patton, who you just mentioned, was a, a recent signing on this team. He was a first-round pick a few years ago from Minnesota, barely played, went to Philadelphia, barely played. Do we see anything from him? Um, I, I think the only way you would see Justin Patton is if you could get – if Steven Adams got hurt or they were able to trade Steven Adams. I just – I think it's another guy that's, that you're going to be playing in, in, in the G League. He's a nice backup to have. And really, I think the contract said a lot about why they got him. I mean, he's just a guy. $70,000, or I think it's what? It's like 700000 guaranteed this year, then non-guaranteed yeah, the next two. Yeah, so it's not – there's no contract there that says they're committed to this guy. The Thunder needed to get people on the roster um, to, to fill those those spots. Um, be interesting to see if he makes it through training camp even, but I just, you know, you, you got him here to fill spots. You're a little over the cap now and all, all Oklahoma city is basically trying to accomplish here. These next few months is get under the cap. And if they can win some games doing that, that's great. But this has really become about balancing finances and then deciding whether or not you really want to rebuild this team into what it was prior to it happening prior to Paul George deciding he wanted to pull the plug. 
reckon we've covered most players on this team now. Eric, now before we go, I'm just going to go through and give my uh, value play on this team. It is the Shea, Shea Gildas-Alexander, who's ranked ridiculously on ESPN, 162, still too low on Yahoo as well. So he is the real value play on this. I've also, as I mentioned, Gallinari and Chris Paul provide pretty good value. A draft bust type of guy is Steven Adams. If you're looking at him at 40 on ESPN, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Even Yahoo, I think, has got him a little bit too high. So they're my two guys who I have as the value and the bust on this Thunder team. Eric, you'll be covering the Thunder team a much different vibe for Locked on Thunder this season, of course, as we're looking for development, we're looking for trades, we're looking for uh, cap machinations to try and get themselves under that cap, which is going to lead to a pretty wild season. Uh, Tell everyone where they can find you over on Twitter. Uh, You can find me at a couple of places, uh, at Thundermaven, that's at Thundermaven, S-I, as in Sports Illustrated, um, at G-E-E-H-S-O, and of course, at Locked on Thunder. Go and follow Eric over there and go and listen to the Locked on Thunder podcast. If you give both of us five-star ratings and reviews, we'd be eternally grateful. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and on Spotify. And of course, this show's on YouTube. Give me a thumbs up, leave a comment, subscribe, hit the bell so you never miss a show. Eric, thanks again for jumping on the show with me. Thank you very much, Josh, for having me on. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Gallinari.